Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Big Questions with Big John. I'm your host, Big John, you could probably guess. And I have somebody who's a very interesting guest today. His name is Matt Lobel. He's the founder of Playin, which is an innovative new company dedicated to blockchain, blockchain uh, ecosystem for gamers, uh, building games, using it to play games. He, he's, he's here to talk to us about blockchain in general, crypto in general, and then how his ecosystem uh, can do some good by having folks play to earn. So like as a former game developer myself, I think this is awesome. I can't wait to talk to this guy. So Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, I really appreciate you having me on, John. Um, I uh, love what you're doing. Listen to a few different episodes and and it's uh, some great topics. I'm excited to be able to talk about uh, blockchain and and uh, what we're doing at Playin. Oh, that's fantastic. And actually, I appreciate that you actually took a, a time out to listen to my show. So that's fantastic. Uh, uh, <laughs> I guess we're both kind of happy right now, hopefully. But um, all right, Matt. So uh, I mentioned that I used to be a game developer, but this was back in by what you considered to be uh, probably ancient history. In the in the late 80s, early 90s, I was coding on Commodores and, um, and uh, you know, the early PCs. And uh, my experience was limited to role-playing games brought to life on, on yeah. the computer. So obviously this was next to no graphics and it was all logic-based. Um, I, I live that, John. I, I'm, oh, did uh, you? I'm 52, so my first computer was a, uh, an Apple IIe. There you um, go. <laughs> so there you I, go. I've been there, done that. I, I, was... I, I hear you. You didn't look that old. Uh, like I... Uh, I'm 58, so we're in the same uh, vicinity in terms of generations there. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's interesting to talk about those days at some point. Um, I think as far as I got, I sold my strategy for role playing to, um, uh, uh, I forget the name of the company. I think, was, was there a company called, not Mindshare, Mindscape Games or something like that yeah. in the late yeah, 80s? Actually, yeah. yeah, and they bought my wrestling game. Mm -hmm. So they did the first version of Sergeant Slaughter's Matt Wars. So that was, <laughs> but then I was done. I had nothing to do with the uh, actual, I like to on occasion lie and say, yeah, I was the creator of this, but only the strategy and the outcomes, you know, the logic-based outcomes. But not here to talk about that, to talk about what, before we get to talk about your ecosystem, which I took a quick look at, it's like almost, you know, it's up on GitHub and it's, uh, is it open source or no? No, it's not op open source. It's not open source, but right. it's meant for developers to lean on and use uh, to develop their own games or no? No, not, not exactly. We're not, okay. uh, we're not an open ecosystem um, in that sense. Uh, okay. We are going to bring partners onto the platform, oh, okay. but um Picture us like a big uh, quality control, big brother, if you will. Uh, okay. we'll we, we bring When we bring partners in, we're going to very tightly control how they use the ecosystem because uh, what's really different about gaming uh, when you start to talk about play to earn is like this really scary custodial part of it. Like mm. we actually have tons of people's money stored in our system when right. this is all live. And so we're going to be extremely careful and very particular on how we bring partners aboard, how they implement our APIs. Um, and then, of course, you know, we'll get into revenue share agreements and all that sort of good stuff with yeah. them. But yeah, it's a it's a whole different world from just publishing a game yeah. um, and uh, letting people, you know, into your marketplace. Yeah. And, and I, I hope I didn't, uh, I guess I misspoke because um, when I saw it up on GitHub, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. But then I see I'm wrong. And actually to your point, if you are storing all that value, the, the need for security is, is obviously paramount, right? Or else your partners wouldn't. So uh, let me disavow anybody. I, I did not have this information. That's why we're here interviewing Matt. Uh, I don't want to make. Well, and and I nodded because yes, we are on GitHub, but it's yeah. definitely not an open <laughs> source. Yeah. Okay. So, Hey, we learned, I learned something here today. So that's, that's cool. But in general, Matt, let's back up a little bit. Um, a lot of folks hear things like blockchain, they hear crypto, they know about Bitcoin, they know about Ethereum, they know about Doge, because Elon Musk is the guy who uh, is always uh, touting it and whatnot. But what would you like if for, for someone with very basic concepts, right? Like, 
you know, we know the blockchain is sort of a ledger, very transparent, things like that. Can you can you sort of break down for us a little bit the foundational parts of, of your ecosystem, which I'm, I'm assuming boils down to the blockchain and some sort of gaming token slash crypto currency for the system? Right. So let me let me try and break it down from the simplest point and then kind of going down to touch on the more complex and then we can sure. dive into anything you want to. Now, I, I do say that... Uh, Right up front, I am not a technical whiz. Um, I am the person who has the concept, the understanding, um, but I leave it to my developers to write smart contracts and all that sort of sure. really uh, intricate stuff. But um, basically, we're taking 60 games and we're putting it on, putting each of those games on the blockchain. We're starting with our first game that's in development, which is Darkland Wars, massively multiplayer real-time strategy game. And what happens is when one of these games goes into the ecosystem, it hooks into um, multiple APIs that we will uh, have uh, built utilizing smart contracts. And, and not to get too uh, geeky here, but a smart contract is basically something that allows the blockchain to operate. Okay. And it could be exchanging currency, tracking currency, anything writing records, reading records, a smart contract does all that sort of programming stuff. Right. <clears throat> and um, so the APIs in our system do really important things related to the gameplay because every game that we're developing, and this goes to that play to earn concept, uh, right. every game has a auction house built into the actual game hmm. where players can buy and sell literally anything that is made in the game and even the game account itself. So it's a, uh, a kind of a departure from uh, really any past game that I've seen where uh, you had to go to a third party to try and, and do a, a sale of an account. You can do it right inside our games. Now, all of that needs to be tracked mm. and that's what the APIs do. Mm. So anytime okay. something is bought or sold, um, the transaction behind the scenes uh, gets written into the game and written into the blockchain as what we like to call in the in industry as an immutable ledger, i.e. it doesn't change. Right. Um, and so that's super important because you have to have confidence that what you're doing actually gets recorded correctly. Um, and then um, that's kind of like that really high level view of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, as we kind of delve into it, some of the unique parts are that you actually uh, have the assets that you get in the game and you can take them out of the game. Uh, what we really are, are uh, focusing on right now from a player perspective is like, John, if you go into the game and you got this really cool skin in the game, uh, you could take it out of the game and you could bring it into the metaverse we're gonna uh, be building underneath all of these called Playing With Friends. And you can show it off to a friend that doesn't even play Darkling Wars or whatever gotcha. game you got it in. Gotcha, gotcha. So that that's is, a big part. Yeah, that that is cool. The ability to uh, take things that are that you think uh, just imagine imagination wise. You say, "Yeah, I do have this cool skin," or "I built this crazy weapon." You know, like uh, now here's a question. And I guess it depends on the game itself, but um, like, let's say I built a big effing gun somewhere, you know, it's really cool within the parameters of one game. Right. Would that be transferable to another game or is it just as an asset that I could take out of the one game and display it or perhaps even sell it to another player? I, I, what are the intricacies of that? That's a great question. Um, and I'm going to answer it with an asterisk. Um, okay. Fair so, enough. so yeah, you, you can take it out of the game. You can bring it into playing with friends and you can show it around. So that's kind of a given. Um, bringing it into another game is where the asterisk comes in because we obviously, if we have an old West game and we have a futuristic game and you build this really futuristic uh, laser, having a laser inside of an old West game kind of starts to destroy and break down right. the reality we're building. But what we desire, what we really want is to have all our assets be transportable. Mm. So what we're going to be trying to do really hard is like when that laser gets built, 
create the equivalent. Let's say you go in and now it becomes a really cool Gatlin gun. Gotcha. Um, right. So we want it to be transportable, but we want to retain the backstory and, right. and everything in that new game environment. So yes is my uh, general answer. answer. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds so cool to me. And I'm, you know, my mind is spinning already because uh, I'm an old coder. So uh, I used to be able to code this stuff and I, but, but I'm also a biologist by training. So, oh, wow. so my head is already spinning. Like how can you accomplish what you just described? Right. And the first thing that just came into my mind is like uh, taxonomies and, and hierarchical categories of weaponry, for example. Right. So to your point, there's no lasers in the old West, right. but maybe it means an improvement in, the gun sight. Maybe it means that um, a laser blast is the equivalent of some, you know, quick action spring loaded or a Gatling gun, like you said. And if you can nail down the AI for that, that you don't need a person to figure out what that translation is uh, by referring to some hierarchy, I think that would be so cool. Now you've got me excited as a geek. So I got to say that that's cool. Now, um, the other thing I wanted to touch on is there's, I think in general, the populace at large has a misconception about the blockchain and crypto. Um, I think the fact that it's called crypto technology does a disservice to the technology because people think crypto, which means hidden, um, is actually the opposite of the blockchain, right? Because the blockchain is fully transparent, correct? So by associating it with crypto, it makes it sound like only drug dealers and uh, ne'er-do-wells are, are accessing uh, the, the blockchain. And I guess also people don't realize there's blockchains for just about every industry. I know the airline industry, uh, I know JP Morgan announced their blockchain. Um, so can, can you just like sort of clear that up, right? Like the, the blockchain itself is, is a neutral sort of technology. And like you said, it's really almost like, in my, I view it almost as like a contract enforcer. Like we agreed to X, two parties agreed to X, whether it's I agreed to send you a dollar or one Bitcoin or whatever, right down to uh, almost like in sports betting. We agreed that if the Giants win, I get this and you get you lose that. Right. So right. Um, is that kind of the way you view it? Is that the, is that like a simple sort of explanation of it? It's really not. Um, it's really not under an underhanded system for criminals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, no, it, it, it isn't. And, um, and the reason, but the reason it got that reputation initially uh, was not necessarily completely unfounded. There were a lot of anonymous transactions. Um, this was, you know, before, uh, you know, KYC, which is know your customer um, regulations came in. And, uh, you know, just like the internet, when the internet at one point was uh, largely unregulated, and there right. was all sorts of insane things, you know, going on on the internet that that were not what general society would want. Right. Same thing with with crypto. But you make uh, a really strong point there in that um, the benefit of crypto is is not anything to do with an, uh, anonymity. Right. It, it has everything to do with immutability, which is things never disappear from the blockchain. Right. Right. Um, and so that's the huge value that all these companies are seeing in it. You know, uh, for example, real estate transactions where you have a permanent ledger uh, record right. of your transaction, uh, it can eliminate a lot of scams. Uh, it can eliminate a lot of problems that we have uh, in society. Right. Um, and the other catchphrase you're going to hear is trustless transactions. Hmm. Like right now, if I do a transaction, uh, for example, with you, John, right. um, there and and we we put this in, you know, uh, some sort of writing. Um, you know, there is that writing to kind of say, hey, we've got this agreement. Right. There is also a huge element of trust that you're not going to renege on your agreement. Right. Or that I'm not going to renege. I don't want to make you the bad guy here. Right. Um, but in a trustless transaction, uh, you're you're literally not having to trust because it is right. transacted in such a way that essentially there is a provable, immutable, non-changeable record of the transaction. Right. And, uh, you know, it should be set up in a way where it functions essentially like an escrow 
where there is no need to have you trust me or me trust you. It just works. Right. That once you accept the transaction, it's over. It's done. Right. Once you say, yeah, hey, uh, Matt, I'm sending you this proposal. You're like, I like it. Yes. As soon as we both hit yes, it's in the blockchain. It's immutable. Yep. That's it's all moved. there is to it. And everyone can reference it. Right. And can, exactly. like, right. So, okay, cool. So that's good. Now, how does crypto play into this? How do, how do tokens play into this? Because for example, we all know about Bitcoin. We all know about Ethereum. Right. If you're most people right now, Bitcoin just took a bath, right? So they're like, oh my God, I lost everything. You know, um, not realizing the dollar does the same thing, right? Like when inflation hits the dollar plummets, right? So, but here's the question I have for you is, um, do you, so do you view it as a currency in the traditional sense? Because I've heard some people say, some economists say, you know, hey, Bitcoin is great for two reasons. So, let, let me let me ask yeah, you, sure, you, you kind of went through a couple different things. The uh, Am I viewing Bitcoin as a currency? Um, well, sh okay, let's start with the simple one. You know, I'm, I'm going to go down the token versus coin route. And right, right. Well, I think I think that's an important distinction. And I don't mean to necessarily put you on the spot to justify anything. Right. But what I meant by that is like, most people only know the 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 crypto, the tokens that are being touted as currency, right? So mo if you ask someone about crypto, the first word that comes out is Bitcoin. Some people might say Doge, some people might say Ethereum, right? But the other thing might be like NFTs, these non-fungible uh, assets that are essentially pieces of art to a lot of people, right? So um, the token itself can be used for a lot of different purposes, right? But um, so I guess it's twofold. Why is Bitcoin the way it is? And then what is the difference between say a gaming token and Bitcoin, if there is any? Okay, so to most people, it's a currency, right? Like the way most people utilize it and the way most people think about it. To the SEC, uh, it's a security. Okay, gotcha. and, and I, I say that with confidence because I'm I have at least two SEC filings in my future. <laughs> um, okay, and um, so there you go. Uh, but um, it's it's hard to actually say it is this or it is that and that's why you have so many different opinions you know you hear for bitcoin it's a store of value it's like right. gold so that makes it a commodity right right um you hear people say well we can use bitcoin to get around this or around that um so now it's a currency for example in the ukraine um people were finding it impossible to uh, bring currency into that situation to help people in the Ukraine right. when they used Bitcoin to get around that. Right. Um, even when all of the banks were shut down. Um, you know, it is something that can be used to skirt banks because banks are not really in that ecosystem. Like they're kind of sitting out here, they're getting into it, but they're kind of sitting out here right now. And it's not controlled by any federal reserve or anything. So it's right. already, or yeah. any national reserve bank. So that's, that's the other, that's the reason, you, like you said, you could skirt certain things like right. getting help. Well, also, I'm sorry, didn't a Latin American country actually adopt Bitcoin? Yes. I'm, I'm struggling. Which one was it? Was it Argentina? I'm not sure. No, it wasn't Argentina. I want to say Venezuela, but I could be off base on that. Just yeah, but, but, it, but, it was one... but yes, they did. They did yeah. make that their national uh, currency. currency. Right. Yeah. And I mean, here's here's the thing. And, and I'll, I'll kind of hit this point because we kind of touched on it a little bit. But um, sure. with just full disclosure to everybody out there, I, I think that you really need to look at the regulations that are coming. Um, and uh, nobody, please, nobody sign on to a central digital currency <laughs> um, because I, I want you to think about the uh, the implications in that every single member, immutable record never goes away. Right. Every single purchase you ever make in your life with digital currency will be recorded by the government. Right. And um, who really wants to trust the government with all of their purchasing records? Just saying. Not, not me, not me. <laughs> no, nobody who believes in freedom, uh, because uh, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time. I'm like, if you're conservative, 
um, then you don't want them tracking X, Y, Z. If you're liberal, you don't want them tracking X, Y, Z, and you never know who's going to be in power next. So, and, and if you're a libertarian like me, you don't yes. want them tracking anything at all. Anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. So I but get yeah, your I, point. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you on that. Yeah. And you just, I, I anybody who wants the government to have more control um, is. I believe in regulation. So I'll say that right up front. And that's right. why I'm not in the Bahamas trying to start, you know, a token offering. Right. I'm in the United right. States and I'm following SEC regulations. Right. Um, but uh, but you definitely want to. I know that's way off the. the no, the no. Path, hey, right? that's the way these interviews go with me. You know, as long as the topic's interesting. So so when I said currency, of course, I'm not talking in a legal sense. Right. I'm talking right. about the way it's perceived by people. Because if it was currency, obviously it would be heavily taxed and regulated by the government. But um, so you have a blockchain. Uh, you right. mentioned two SEC filings yourself. I'm assuming that means you guys will be issuing tokens yeah. uh, to be used on your blockchain. Are uh, any names or anything we should be looking out for? Yeah, it's uh, Game Gold GMG. It's built on Binance. Uh, we actually, I'm the poorest and richest that I'll ever be in my life, John. I've got a hundred million uh, GMG sitting in my uh, in my MetaMask wallet right now, and uh, and they will be uh, they'll be released in in three separate offerings. So okay. I'll have a a filing I have to do for the first release, which is our seed and our private sale, and then I'll have a secondary uh, filing for that uh, public sale. Right. Now, is that going to be uh, only because the economist in me is asking, is it going to be a, an inflationary token or a deflationary token? Meaning once you create X number, whatever it is you're going to file, is that going to be the fixed number like Bitcoin or is it going to be like Doge where they're promising as long as people want to buy them, we'll keep making them type of thing? Hey, you know what? I would love to have Elon Musk in my corner and and just keep selling tokens. Right, forever. right. Uh, that'd be quite a way to make a living. Um, right. No, uh, it it's going to be a fixed. Uh, well, like I said, I have a hundred million. Mm-hmm. So right now, I have every single token that okay. will ever be created in my in my wallet. And so, um, yeah, so you're going the Bitcoin right route, which is a. like a store value because it'll be a fixed amount it's like gold it's like bitcoin in that sense so yeah once you issue them that's it yeah and the way our ecosystem works it's really just taking advantage of basic supply and demand um every time we launch one of our games we're going to back it and and it's kind of uh the game gold is is kind of a little dig at the u.s uh economy uh, Mm. actually because we used to obviously back our dollar by gold gold yeah and so it had a real intrinsic value uh we don't do that anymore unfortunately until of all people richard nixon killed it in 1973 so uh which is the irony if you understood (laughs) nixon's politics right being super conservative and everything but um yeah okay so okay uh, so Oh, I'm sorry, Gil. No, I was going to say, so it's Game Gold GMG. Uh, yes. And when you go fully into your launch, I know on your website, which we'll give out, uh, you, you do have a timeline for the project, which um, as someone who's worked in big corporations, that project timeline, son, is 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 uh, is the Bible, right? You, you, that's, oh, yeah. what you, that's what you're, you know, so I think that was very open and upfront of your company to be able to say, hey, here's the roadmap, you know, here's where we want to be. Here's the dates, here's the timelines, here's what we've hit. Here's where we might be lagging a little bit. So I personally, I love, it's refreshing for me to see that in a, in a company that you would actually post your, 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 your uh, project timeline, which is to me is fantastic. So um, I, I appreciate that from you as, as an approach. So uh, definitely, but okay. So you're going to have these tokens. Uh, you've kind of explained what the blockchain is, uh, what crypto is, what tokens are. Um, now, the concept that you're kind of uh, touting here um, is play to earn. Yeah. So as you play these games, explain that concept. Um, obviously, you're earning more GMG, I assume, right? Um, yes and no. <laughs> okay. Oh, cool. Great. Floor is yours, sir. Go ahead. So here's the thing. Um, you, you cannot create a game that simply gives away money um, because you'll be out of business. And then is the token worth anything when the company's out of business? No. So it doesn't really benefit anybody. And a lot of the games that came initially, people were like, oh, we can do this. 
and it works for a time as people are pouring money into the game right. to play the game. But once you lose players and every game eventually loses players, once you lose players and you don't have that net positive uh, influx, influx of cash, right. you start to bleed cash and you can only bleed cash for so long before you know things go belly up. So what we're right. doing is a little different, John. We, um, first of all, we're approaching the games as a traditional game developer would in terms of monetization. Uh, we're going to have subscriptions for the game. Uh, the subscriptions will not give you a actual winning advantage because um, I don't believe in in uh, pay to win. That that's a a big thing with me is I, I like competitiveness. Competitiveness. Uh, I've been a a volunteer football coach for uh, twenty years, there you and go. Uh, I, I like things fair, and I like the best person to win. Um, so we're uh, we're limiting that aspect, but we're going to be selling skins. We're going to be selling, uh, in you know, enhancements, everything visual you could think of. For right. a game, we're going to be um, selling those uh, in the game. Now, here's where the the play to earn comes in. Uh, if you're in the game and you're out there and you're killing monsters and all of that, you're going to earn some in-game currency uh, that will be silver. Hmm. Okay. And then we have dark coin sitting above silver. Okay. Uh, right now, the ratio is is uh, set at uh, ten thousand to one. So you ten thousand silver, uh, and you get a a in game gold. Gotcha. This is not game gold though. Two hundred and fifty of your in game gold it takes to create one game gold. Okay, so, so... three tiered uh, level. Now, just telling you right now, the ten thousand is not firm and fixed because right. we need to have a game economist review this once we're in beta because again my my biggest uh my biggest focus on that aspect is making sure that the company is profitable because otherwise nothing else matters down the road right from, from a sure from a corporate perspective so if i understood That's what you, the play to earn though no no but just to recap so i understood right yes. you've got silver then you've yes. got your in-game gold, right? So those two currencies are only valid within the game you're playing, right? Correct. And Correct. then if you, for whatever that exchange rate will end up being, when you take your 250 in-game gold and perhaps get one GMG, yes. that GMG now is valid on your entire network, meaning any game, yes. cross-game currency, right? So, so the concept is, um, like, because obviously a lot of these games have their in-game currencies, but then they stay within that game, right? Like, right. And, and, and to your point, um, just on a very simple level, will I be able to throw my US dollars at the game to buy in-game currency or can I just throw dollars no. to buy GMG? No, right? It has to be earned in that sense, right. literally through gameplay and achievement within the game, I build up my in-game currency and then I trade that to GMG. Correct. So let me let me give sure. you the play to earn part of this. Because sure. this, is, this to me is the exciting part. And um, it, it has to do, uh, and, and this is because we I know we've veered off in politics and come back. And so I'll veer off again slightly. Sure. But um, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a capitalist at heart. I mean, I, I, you could have asked me at 12 years old, what do you want to do? Oh, I start a business. Yes, um, there you go. And, uh, and so I believe capitalism solves a lot of problems. And right yes. now, a big debate, as you know, is, is uh, wealth redistribution. And um, taxing is, is, of course, how um, one side of the aisle is into wealth redistribution. Right. Um, here's what I'm imagining right now. Uh, there's a lot of countries in this world where uh, $400 a month U.S. is a pretty darn good wage. Yes. Um, you know, they might average more like $100 to $200 a month, if that. So I'm imagining somebody in a third world country who's playing this game and um, they're killing monsters and a magic ring drops. Hmm. And they go, wow, you know, this is a really good magic ring. It's kind of rare. Um but I already have something I like. And so they say, okay, I'm gonna put this in the auction house. Now you've got a couple of, uh, let's call them first world bidders. <laughs> they go in there and they start a bidding war because they both look at it and go, 
oh, wow, this could really help me right. to get better in this game. And they both bid it up. And let's say it uh, ends at $1,000 US. What happens at that point is we get a 10% take because it's an auction house fee. Uh, but $900 then goes to this person who, let's just say their, their income was $300 a month. They just earned three months income sure. literally overnight playing this game. Yeah. And to me, that's wealth redistribution because everybody's happy at the end of the day, maybe except for the bidder who lost out. Right. But you know, the person who paid the money is happy because, hey, I got what I wanted. The person who sold it is ecstatic probably because, sure. hey, I just, I just equaled three months of wages. We're happy because we earned a cut of the final auction fee. Sure. And, um, and it's just a win-win for everybody. Now, the, um, the ability for, for that to take place is what makes this uh, ecosystem. And let me, let me rephrase what I was saying before. You can actually bring in currency externally. You just can't buy outside of the auction house. Mm. So I want to clarify in that terms. You can bring it into the auction house and utilize it in the auction house. You just can't go out and use it willy-nilly on your on your castles, for example, in Darkling Wars. Um, so it is restricted on how you use it. There's places where you have to use uh, your regular in-game currency and places where you can transfer uh, GMG into a game to make purchases, and that's the auction house. Gotcha. So... The auction house itself, when I'm trying to understand, because this is such, you know, you're right, I really haven't heard of this too too often, so I want to make sure I got it right and do it justice, right? So I'm playing, um, what's your first game again? Dark, Darken? Darkland Wars. Darkland Wars. Thank yes. you. Um, so I build up some fancy armor or something, right? And or, or great shield drops or something. And I'm like, hey, even if I don't have it, but I'm in this third world economy, as you said, or maybe I'm a kid in Kansas somewhere and yeah. I need I need a new bike or something. It doesn't really matter, right? right. Um, I'm going to put it up in the auction house uh, and whatever. It sells for X amount. I get it minus 10%. Now, if I'm the bidder, I go to the auction house. I'm not using GMG, right? I'm either swiping my credit card, so to speak, or, or something similar, correct? If you're in the auction house, uh, you're using GMG at that point. Okay. So how do, how does the, like, how, what's the concept about me saying, okay, how am I going to get $100 from my pocket to the seller? So you're going to do it a couple of different ways. Um, you can do it through a fiat currency transaction, and that is your credit card into, you know, whatever mechanism uh, is facilitating that, whether it's off, uh, off of a uh, fiat on-ramp that we've built, right. or perhaps through Apple or uh, Google's stores. Um, but what you're doing is you're, you're then getting GMG. That's what your purchase is. And the GMG then through your account gets placed into the game, into the auction house. And before you can bid, you have to already have that in there. Okay. So it has to be a verifiable asset. And then once you do the bid, so let's say you bid one GMG for an object, Right. That one GMG is locked until you are either outbid or you win or until the sale closes. Okay. Now that GMG, uh, let's do for the sake of simplicity, let's use USD. That USD to GMG rate, is that always going to be fixed? Is it based on supply demand? Is it, how, how will that exchange work? And, and that's, that's a great question too, because it will change because um, we're going to have the GMG token be a market token. In other words, it's going to be supply and demand. Mm. Uh, it's going to be a tradable token. Um, so you can view it in that way, like a security, which the SEC is. Um, so its price will fluctuate. We anticipate that its price is going to steadily increase because as sure. I mentioned before, every game, and we're launching 60 of them, every game is going to be backed by 500,000 GMG. And that 500,000 GMG comes out of our general pool. And so that, you know, simple math, that's 30 million once we're fully built out, 30 million that is no longer circulating. Right. That doesn't include the money that people bring into games because that also has to come in in the form of GMG. 
Um, that doesn't include those tokens that people are going to stake in order to get governance rights. So there's a lot of money that will continuously, or a lot of tokens that will continuously come out of the um, overall circulating supply, mm. tightening that supply. And that's a good thing. Um, that means it gradually becomes worth more. Now, just like Bitcoin, you can buy fractions. Right. So let's just say, you know, in my wildest of dreams that GMG has reached, you know, $100, $200 per token. Um, and who knows, it may go higher than that. It just depends on the use. Right. Um, and, and, you, and the reason I say that, John, and, and this really blew my mind the first time I conceptualized it, but um, we're looking at these games thinking, okay, well, we could have five to eight million players, you know, in a game that's popular. Right. You know, that's a pretty, pretty reasonable number. Actually, it's, it's somewhat low in, in depending on the genre. And we looked at that and I was like, well, what if each person um, buys a couple of GMG? That supply gets super tight, super quick once you're now ex extrapolating that over 60 games. So, so I could very much see the price of GMG uh, getting pretty high. So my, my point being, you can buy it fractionally. Um, so, you know, if somebody's going in and they're like, I need $10 worth of GMG, they're not going to look at a $100 token and go, ah, I can't buy it. They're going to get a tenth of a, of a GMG at that point. They're going to get like, a tenth of a right. GMG and, and the value uh, accordingly inside the game will be the same because we do have that 250 to one is a fixed ratio. Okay. So the, the value of the currency fluctuates uh, based upon demand. I mean, it's, and again, this is all pending uh, economic review by somebody a lot smarter at economics sure, than I am, sure. but we're going to make it work so that there is a, um, an inflating price of GMG over time, because that's a good thing. It's healthy. We hate inflation here in the, uh, <laughs> in the real world, but uh, you know, a, a currency that in, in, uh, increases in, in value, I guess I would technically be deflation, I should say. Yeah. Good thing. Um, and, uh, and then we want the value to be consistent in the game. Right. You know, for example, a subscription, you know, it's going to cost uh, a fixed dollar amount when you're in the game. And, and so that needs to be just payable in a certain amount of GMG. Right. And, and that will fluctuate as GMG fluctuates. Right. And obviously, taking out your GMG, like if you're that kid in that third world country that you referred to initially, um, that'll be at whatever market rate it is, right? So, right. so he could even choose to almost treat it like a bank, leave his GMG in there if he wants, and then as that value fluctuates, he might find a better sell price down the road, just like with stocks or anything else, right? Uh, or 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 uh, like hard assets like gold uh, and silver, right? So, yeah. So, so what you just said uh, makes me happy and scares the. It's off of me at the same time because right. um, that's what I've been trying to drive home to a lot of people um, is the custodial nature yes. of of what we're doing. Um, and I've I've told people that that are you know working on our infrastructure. I'm like, we have to be stronger than a bank because we are a bank. Um, right. And um, and and it doesn't nothing drives that home more than uh, Axie being hacked for 625 million dollars yeah um and and it was simply you know it was simple laziness and i know what happened i mean i don't know like i'm not a part of axie but based on on the uh on the particular circumstances they just had developed something a little lazy at the beginning and i know that they at at some point were saying hey we're going to go back to this and make it better mm. And they grew so fast that they and were get trying them, to do yeah. so much that they never got back to it. But they had, uh, and and for your audience, they had we we have uh, nodes that are responsible for verification of transactions. And um, for example, Binance Smart Chain has something I think twenty seven verifiers, something like that. Um, there's you know a lot of networks have way okay. more than that. They had nine on Axie, and they intentionally had their own verification set up in order to be more secure, but they were all verified in the same way and the hacker figured out how, and um, all they needed to do was have four of the nine nodes agree to a transaction. Right. 
right. And it was a big thumbs up then. So $625 million later, I think they've learned their lesson or they're probably fixing that. Yeah, I think people also, I'm glad you mentioned the nodes because I think people don't realize not every node has to agree. It's a certain, like yes. whether you want to think of it as a majority or not of the nodes have to agree that the transaction is valid and then they can, they can proceed. Um, you know, uh, it's interesting because uh, at some point in my life, I was a, a coder for JP Morgan and I helped write their online banking system. Oh, wow. back, back before the calendar had a two zero in front of the year, you know, and um, what we went through for that kind of, obviously a, a US bank, you know, you, the security up the yin yang, you know, like man traps and you couldn't get in and out of the server room to do your work unless, you know, fingerprints scan everything, you know, so it was, it was super secure, you know, we had DOD grade uh, servers back then. Wow. I'm sure it's getting even worse. So I can imagine what this is like. But let me ask you this, because it just popped into my head. One of the complaints about, say, um, when you're dealing with uh, NFTs or something, if you want to like, hey, I created this thing and I want to put it out there, um, the gas charges, how slow it might be and all that. Um, the games themselves are not on the blockchain, right? They're run locally. Some like So it's it's the... Is yes. it just the, it's the transactional piece that's on the blockchain, but the gameplay itself is not, correct? Yes and no. Um, it, it's kind of a hybrid. So the actual game itself that the player is playing is local. And whether that's mobile or tablet or desktop, uh, it's the actual gameplay is there local. Mm. But of course, they're all connected games. They have to be connected the entire right. time. And we have a lot of ways to validate transactions that are happening in the game just on a on a completely unrelated from blockchain basis you know because we need to make sure that a player is really level 27 right you know, we we can't take the client's word for <laughs> that level or right. the amount of gold or the items they have you've got to have hacking protections now the blockchain aspects has everything to do with items in the game and currency in the game mm. And so those particular transactions go through an even greater level of scrutiny than we do to just try and filter out hacking. Um, so, you know, all of those aspects of the game really are connected to the blockchain because they're connected to the APIs because they go through the APIs. So when the player boots up the game, we do a check and we, we verify assets. Um, when the player departs the game, we verify assets. And, you know, I, I'm not going to go into a lot of details on how we do it, but, you know, some from very, very basic things like, for example, you started the uh, session with uh, elemental energy of fire at a million and you ended the session at an elemental energy of 10 million. And that's suspicious because right. you only played for 10 minutes. <laughs> so, you know, at that point, um, it gets the transactions get audited. Right. Um, and, um, and then if there's anything suspicious in it after that, it gets flagged up to a human who then does uh, a more detailed audit. So, you know, a lot of those things are already in the gameplay aspects, but, you know, as you just said, when you did the, uh, uh, Jake, was it JP Morgan? Yeah. Yeah. When you did that, you, you saw how much you had to go through in yeah. terms of security, and and that's how we're approaching this from a security standpoint. It, you know, we just want to make sure that uh, that everything we're doing is with that in mind. So um, we have to worry about the hackers on the client level. We have to worry about the uh, the hackers really on the on the server level and um, everywhere in between. And and we know that games are going to be a target. Um, yeah, we know it now for sure. If we didn't in the past with Axie, um, but the fact of the matter is, there's going to be a lot of value in there. Now we're doing some things, and I will say this flat out: right, uh, we were, we are never going to carry. You're never going to be able to hack 625 million dollars from us because we're never going to carry that in a single wallet. Hmm. We're never going to carry um, all of our funds in a, in in any way, shape perform in an online uh, manner, uh, we will only carry what we need to reimburse the players who right. want to withdraw. Everything else will be inaccessible. 
cold so, storage, I'm assuming somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it it just doesn't make sense right. to uh, to expose yourself that way. And uh, again, I think Axie only did it because they were they meant to get around to it. <laughs> right. Well, you would think, right? That, yeah. Or at least you would hope that's what they they were hoping to get around to it. Um, have you? How's the partnerships going for the actual games? Uh, have you? Uh, is that a process that's still ongoing? Have you really delved into that yet, or? Are you just at the beginning stages of that where you have your gamer, you know? Yeah. And so here's, here's where we're at with that. We, uh, you know, obviously I continuously uh, meet people and, and build relationships with other gaming companies and uh, especially the indie developers, because those are the folks we're going to be targeting. Uh, I don't anticipate EA Sports is going to come into, uh, <laughs> in, into me in the next uh, couple of years and say, right. hey, we'd love to have a game in your ecosystem. Really what the partner program is geared towards is um, partnerships and acquisitions. So when we do our public sale, we'll have a bit of a war chest there. Um, and we have four games in our pipeline that we'll develop internal. Uh, and we'll probably add to that queue, especially if we find some low hanging fruit in there, like tower defense games are, are pretty easy to put together. And, mm -hmm. and I've got some concepts for those. But what we're gonna look for and what we're currently just looking for casually is those people who have games uh, that they might have in a later stage of development, but they don't have the funds to finish them. Mm. And that we look at them and say, hey, that would be a great fit. We like what they're doing. Um, and then we have a couple different approaches and it's really not gonna be one size fits all. Uh, you know, if a company looks like they've got a couple of products in the pipeline and, and we really like what they're doing, we like the staff, we might acquire them just outright. And, uh, and then, you know, bring in the, uh, the, the folks in that company uh, into our team and right. integrate them into our team. If it's a single game that's great and, you know, it might be like a guy in his basement programming it, um, you know, if we like him, we might acquire the whole thing, but we might just say, hey, we want to get your game. Um, you know, and if it's somebody who's like, hey, you know, we're going to be able to complete it, but we don't have any marketing money, we don't have any distribution uh, funds, we don't have a real plan or strategy, we could use help, then we might do a partnership setup where we go in and we say, hey, um, we're going to, you know, you can retain ownership of this, we're going to get a royalty off of everything, and we create an agreement that really works, you know, win-win for both of us. So really, that's what it comes down to. I mean, I I'd like to say that we're uh, the benevolent uh, guys coming in, but um, the truth of the matter is it's business and sure. we, we want to acquire games. We want to acquire great games that our community will love. And, um, and we want to do it fairly to the people that we, uh, we deal with because, hey, I've, I've been treated fairly and unfairly in my business life. Sure. And I liked it a lot better when I felt good <laughs> at the end of the day. Yes. So... So that's, that's kind of where we're at is um, I have a firm idea on how we're going to do things. Um, and I've put some outlines down on paper, well, virtual paper, and, uh, and I am building those relationships. But until we get that public offering, I don't have the war chest to go after companies. I'm, I'm sinking, John, I'm sinking everything I have personally uh, into building this. So um, and I'm not independently wealthy, so <laughs> just, just as a caveat. Yeah, well, listen, um, I've certainly been where, where you're at. You know, we have so, such belief in something and such faith in your idea and your purpose that, yeah, I am willing to risk it all. And that's what makes an entrepreneur, um, not to get too political, but that that is the difference between the people who actually go out and build something and people who just want to redistribute what someone else has built. So um, to, to that extent, I always stand in awe of entrepreneurs. Um, like they don't have to all be Elon Musk, right? We don't all have to be someone who sold their business for eight figures. You know, it could be people doing what they can to, to, to do what they, to execute their vision. And if they happen to, to get a little wealthy off of it, even better, if they're able to put their families in better positions financially as well. So I, I don't view that as, I know there's a lot of people today who view that as a negative, you know, like, but to me, that's always been something to be, to aspire to and to admire to. That's what this country was built on, you know, was the, the entrepreneurial spirit in one way or another. So my, my dad, my dad was an entrepreneur uh, his entire life. That's, that's, you know, probably where I got the bug yeah. from, but you know, he was, uh, 
he and he had a, a weird career. He he was a uh, women's sports apparel manufacturer. Okay. And uh, then he moved down to Miami and he started a health food store. So go figure. Well, I could see where fitness and health food, maybe some connection, but yeah, yeah but you know, but yeah, hey, but you're right. You you had an example growing up and saying mm-hmm. like, look at my dad. He's making his, he's carving his own rake's path. He's like out there and he's, he's doing what he wants to do, you know, or, or maybe doing what he has to do, but basically doing it on his own. So um, yeah, that's look, Hey man, uh, to me, that's, that's one of the greatest things you can do as a, in the economy and to boost the economy for everyone. But um, all right, uh, Matt, it was great talking to you. Do me a favor, give yourself a couple of plugs. Where can people find out more about playing uh, any other, anything else you want to let us know about your company? All right. Sure. Um, well, Playin uh, is P-L-A-Y-N dot C-O. That's our website. You can certainly come to our website and we have a ton of information up there, including a white paper that gives you more detail than you will ever probably want in your life. <laughs> um, we have, as I said, a uh, seed and a private round that are going to be opening up in just a few weeks. Um, those are for accredited investors only. So you know, again, that's all those SEC rules. But uh, hey, if uh, an accredited investor is listening, please reach out to me. Would love to talk. Absolutely, to you. yeah. Reach out to Matt. Yeah, and uh, and then our public round is mid September, so at that point, everybody can can go in and get uh, GMG. And uh, in addition to that, you can go and find our Discord server. Uh, it's on our website, and uh, you can connect up with our community and uh, even become a test player for Dark Lord Wars. So. Uh, you know, lots of opportunities to get involved and to uh, have fun with it. And, and, you know, that's the bottom line. Hey, it is a game company. Right. Let's have some fun. There you go. <laughs> All right, everyone go out, check out playin.co, learn about the company, learn about what they're doing, learn about play to earn, which quite possibly might be the future of gaming. So uh, why don't you jump in on the green, ground floor of that? Matt, it was great talking to you again. Uh, happy to have you back uh, to find out how your company's doing after your maybe your uh, public round. So maybe we'll, we'll find out, uh, you could come back and tell us, hopefully have great news about your success to share with us. So until then, this has been Big John. Join us for the next episode of Big, the Big Questions with Big John. Okay, see you later, everybody. <laughs>